0: I'm Caitlin and
1: I'm Mallory
0: and this is malicious bitches
1: bitches.
0: We are coming at you live from a very hectic 30 minutes of trying to set up this fucking podcast.
1: (laughs) We're having some audio struggles today.
0: Yeah we are hoping to have fixed the white noise situation that we had going on. I know um, if you had been listening before you probably heard that and then We sounded underwater for a second, and now I think we sound okay. We're going to see.
1: Yeah, like, you know, 40 trial sessions later, I think we've got the audio down pat this time. Hopefully. I think it's good.
0: And so, fingers crossed on that part.
1: But we are back with Jasmine Richardson Part 2.
0: Yeah, I don't think we really have anything to update you guys with on our lives, Nothing's really happening. It's almost Thanksgiving. Caitlin's
1: 1989 vinyl shipped. She's going to have it. Finally. A it's exciting.
0: Yeah, it better come. It's supposed to come Monday, so we'll see. I had to email them and be like, don't make me go to Taylor herself, pretty much. <laughs>
1: Stop. You're like, I will write a letter to the queen herself and let her know what's going on.
0: Yeah, so that's all that's up with me. Anything up with you? Nothing. I got
1: nothing. My life is very uneventful just the way I like it. Yeah.
0: So I guess we're just going to dive in. Let's go. So I think last time I left off with Jeremy mentioning that he was going to do something to Jasmine's parents online and him asking his friend Jordan to help him and Jordan pretty much telling him to fuck off.
1: Right. Jasmine was getting grounded things were kind of shifting. She's always fucking
0: grounded in this story (laughs) (laughs) because she won't fucking act right. No. So yeah, so I'm going in now right after that. So if you haven't listened to part one, even if it sounds bad, try and listen to it because a lot of the information will pertain to this. So here we go. April 22nd had been a beautiful day. Mark had just had his truck delivered to their home because it had some repairs and they actually delivered it to his house like he took it to the shop and was kind of rude to them and they like were like okay 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 and they just delivered it and he even ended up telling them that he was so sorry for being rude to them at the the repair shop because of it not being fixed properly he just had a bad day that day and he really appreciated them fixing sweet it
1: sweet canadian men yeah
0: he's so nice so, yeah, he was so sweet and nice. The night before, the couple had taken their children out on a motorcycle ride to prepare for the trip that they were planning at the end of the summer. Bicycle ride. Bike ride. Whatever it's called. Not That's bicycle. So cute. It's not a bicycle. They, the people that dropped off the truck remember Deborah wearing, like, a leather jacket and, like, looking really cool. <laughs> They're, like, saying that she looked super cool that day after they dropped the truck off, the two checked the truck for a test drive, and it was literally perfect, he said, and he was super happy, and they were super happy to get on with the rest of their Saturday. They were having a pretty normal Saturday after that, and Mark even ended up barbecuing for the family and Jacob's best friend, the little neighbor next door, because he was supposed to spend the night that night, but his grandma had gotten him tickets to a I think, uh, either a hockey game or something like that. And he had to go to that instead. So they made a little barbecue and let them have dinner together instead. So cute. Right. After dinner or the barbecue or whatever, Jasmine would go and take a bubble bath and try and relax. A friend called her and she told her to email her instead. And the friend emailed her asking if she wanted to go swimming or the mall the following day to hang out to which jasmine simply replied i can't and when her friend replied back asking her why not jasmine never replies a
1: little shady jasmine
0: jasmine's shady
1: yeah generally shady i would agree with that
0: across the railroad tracks though jeremy had another type of night lined up jeremy actually had quite the day into the night he started harassing his old roommate, Jordan, again, asking him to help kill Jasmine's parents. And Jordan was like, dude, no. I don't have it in me to kill another human. And Jeremy got pissed. He left Jordan's house and went to go hang out with some of his other friends back at his mom's trailer. They ended up getting pretty fucked up. Um, he had smoked some pot. He went and bought about $40 worth, which is a good bit. I mean, that sounds like about a quarter.
1: Yeah, quarter sack. Sounds about right.
0: I don't know, like, what it goes for in Canada, but... I'm
1: assuming it's probably around the same.
0: Yeah, so... He got him
1: a little bag.
0: Yeah, to smoke with his friends. And he also started drinking. Not just a little something to take off the edge, either. Jeremy had consumed an immense amount of alcohol. The three friends had gone through at least one 12-pack that Jeremy had picked up that day, and... Then got into his mom's beers and drank all those before going to the freezer where she had a bottle of vodka, which they also drank. Damn. Yeah.
1: She's going to be pissed.
0: Yeah. I. <laughs> Not just about the vodka. <laughs> Hate to ruin the story for you guys. A
1: little spoiler.
0: Yeah. While hanging out and drinking, I guess the friends decided that they wanted to watch a movie. Jeremy, before the movie, invited one of his other friends over, the 19-year-old, Blonde vampire who also had a crush on him. Her name was Casey. Jeremy being super hyped up about the events that he had planned later for the evening suggested a movie. Jeremy suggested that the three watch Natural Born Killers.
1: Of course. Very fitting, Jeremy.
0: Yeah. If you haven't seen Natural Born Killers, it's a movie about a couple that basically just slaughter people for fun and go on a killing spree. They then become a pop culture phenomenon and and in the movie, they kill the character's parents and tell the little brother he's free instead of killing him, like, at the end. he They're like, you're free.
1: A little bit of foreshadowing.
0: Yeah. So they're watching this movie, and Jeremy goes, that's where it's going to be different. Jasmine's going to kill her brother
1: oh. while they're watching the movie. Sir. And everyone's, like, shit-faced at this point. Right? Yeah,
0: everyone's trashed.
1: Except for the vampire. But I thought werewolves and vampires were like mortal enemies. So what's he doing hanging out with this girl? Right. Because he's supposed to be some kind of 300-year-old werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. I don't...
0: Maybe not in this realm.
1: Maybe it wasn't that deep, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm not sure. I know that they so, are enemies, though. are weird. Yeah. So Jeremy's friends try and tell him not to do it. They even call Jasmine's friend Kaylee, who we had talked about in part one, The Runaway. Mm-hmm. And asked her to tell Jasmine not to do, not to do it. But nothing ever happened. Jeremy told them, if you can talk her out of it, I won't do it. Which explains why they called Kaylee, because they thought Kaylee could get her to stop. But they were all so drunk that they barely even remembered what happened after that.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Some of the friends leave, and one friend returns. His name's Mick. Meg says he tried to go into Jeremy's room and get his stuff so that he could leave too, but the door was locked and he was on the phone talking to someone and wouldn't let him in. He eventually crashed on the couch because they had been fucked up all day and he was tired, so he just went to sleep. He does recall, though, that Jeremy left the house around 2 a.m. because when he opened the trailer door, Jeremy, it obviously woke him up.
1: Yeah, like he heard him exiting.
0: Right. Jeremy was leaving for what was about to be one of the worst nights the Richardson family could ever imagine. Jeremy left in his mom's pickup truck and was still pretty nervous about what was going to happen despite the amount of alcohol he had consumed in the day.
1: He might have sobered up a little bit by this point, right? Like Maybe. He out and watched a movie with his friends. and I feel like being on the way to murder someone is a very sobering event.
0: Right. Well, so he was still pretty nervous about what was going to happen. After his friends told him that they wouldn't help him, Jeremy decided to turn somewhere else to get help. He decided to go and get a little bit of cocaine, see if he could get a little courage from that. Jeremy went to his cocaine dealer, Cam. Cam was 18 and remembered Jeremy coming over around 3 a.m. Cam was always up around this time because he was a drug dealer and did a lot of drugs and a lot of coke and smoked a good bit of weed and explained that his days and nights kind of just ran into each other.
1: Just between the uppers and the downers, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. right? he's just living. Gotcha. Whenever Jeremy arrived, Cam and his
0: fifteen-year-old girlfriend Ginny were hanging out and getting high. Ginny later recalls that she doesn't remember how much the th- how much the three smoked or snorted, but she thinks it was around six lines apiece
1: which I'm not I'm not familiar, but I feel like that's a lot. It is. Okay. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, gotcha.
0: Like one line's a lot. okay.
1: <laughs> so he did six. Yeah.
0: And for Jenny, she's 15, that's a lot. I was
1: literally just thinking like, what is up with these underage girlfriends? Like why is that a trend in this group? Like what is going on?
0: The three also started drinking straight vodka and a vampire brand wine.
1: Vampire brand wine, okay.
0: Vampire Vineyards is self-described as the blood of the vine. <laughs> Jeremy described it as really good stuff, not very dry either. Got a real good crisp taste to it. <laughs> okay, wine connoisseur Jeremy. I've never heard his voice, but I just imagine it talks like that. Yeah, that's my Jeremy it's voice. Fucking annoying. Yeah. Ginny also offered Jeremy some ecstasy. He accepted. Duh. Wow. Sure. Why not? Ginny says that he stayed about an hour and bought two grams of cocaine before leaving. After leaving, Jeremy stops at a convenience store to get some gum because... You want to know why? Why? Because Jasmine disapproved of the smell of smoke on his breath. Oh, well, we can't have that. Right. Right. So, in the parking lot, after he bought his Trident, I guess, (laughs) he decided... Eh, whatever i'll do these two the two grams of cocaine he bought right now
1: and he took ecstasy yes and he did six lines of coke and he drank vodka and wine and smoked pot like wow on top of
0: drinking all day
1: yeah he's fucked he's really fucked he should not be
0: operating a vehicle
1: no he should not be at the convenience. you mentioned the guy at the convenience store at the checkout counter he's probably looking at jeremy like dude (laughs) yeah
0: jeremy later says i was off like a rocket
1: I bet you were, Jeremy. Yeah,
0: I bet he was. I bet he, would
1: <laughs> I would bet he was faster than a rocket, dude. He could have ran to Jasmine's house at this point.
0: <laughs> and just like a rocket, he was off to Jasmine's house. Upon arrival, he hid behind a tree in the front yard before throwing a pine cone at her window, where she would look out and nod. Yeah, just <laughs> chuckle a little bit. Oh
1: my god. Yeah. He just smacked her window with a pine cone. Yeah. How romantic.
0: It's giving Romeo and Juliet.
1: Yeah, very much so.
0: Jeremy knew that this nod had meant to go to the basement window that Jasmine had left unlocked for him. Jeremy was dressed in all black clothes, a black face mask, black sleeves, a black bandana. He had his black eyeliner on and a knife in his pocket. So just imagine this sight like he's all in black. And from what I read, he had like nylon black sleeves with like black. With, like, black fishnets over them. So, like, and then all black clothing. He had, like, only his eyes showing, and they had all black, like, eyeliner. like,
1: a ski mask with the black smoky eye. Like, he's really doing the most. Like, all black, right? Yeah.
0: And he had a bandana, like.
1: Murdered out.
0: Right. Whenever Jeremy entered the basement window, Deborah awoke. She ran down to the basement. It's suspected, though, that Deborah was assuming to find Jasmine sneaking out, not an intruder.
1: That makes sense, because she's been doing that a lot. Right. She's probably like, this bitch is making a run for it again. Let me go catch her. Before she gets out, which
0: also explains why
1: she didn't grab a weapon. Yeah. She just ran down there. She was going to be like,
0: Jasmine, get your ass back in the house. Right. Yeah. As soon as Deborah walked down to the basement stairs, she was met by Jeremy Steinke. Deborah, surprised to find an intruder in her home, seemed... To have stood right where she was and just put her arms up in defense as Jeremy darted at her. With her arms up in this defense stance, Jeremy was able to stab Debra in the torso.
1: Oh my god. And she doesn't recognize Jeremy, right? Like, he's pretty much incognito right now. Right,
0: he's got all this black stuff all over him. His face is pretty much covered. Yeah. At this time, Mark heard some type of commotion while he was upstairs and came running down. He didn't even change out of his boxer shorts into something else. He was just wearing his boxers. By the time Mark got to the basement, he found Jeremy standing over Deborah at the bottom of the staircase. Mark found a screwdriver on the staircase by chance and went after him. Jeremy went to move backwards and fell on the ground, and Mark jumped on him and tried to stab him in the chest with the screwdriver jeremy somehow deflected mark and was able to knock the screwdriver out of his hand he then mark then began grabbing jeremy's face and trying to shove his thumbs into his eye socket
1: so is deborah alive no okay that was like a fatal blow
0: yeah so deborah i think she I, i'm gonna go over like how they like yeah. died a little bit so but yeah she's She's not, like, able to help at the moment. Right,
1: she's bleeding out. Like, this is a big torso wound. I got you. Right.
0: Jeremy then, as he had Mark's fingers in his eyes, started stabbing Mark uncontrollably until he was able to get out from underneath him because Mark was getting weaker. Jeremy tried to run at this point after he got out from underneath Mark, but Mark got up and began to choke him.
1: Oh, my God. Like, he
0: he has a lot of stabs to him right now, and he is bleeding a lot, and he was still able to get up and try and choke him well, I mean, as he it, was running away
1: it's the adrenaline right yeah it's he's holding off all of and he knows pain. that his
0: kids are upstairs wow right so and he doesn't know that you know this is jasmine's boyfriend he right. thinks this man's coming to kill his children the next.
1: entire family
0: right so and he just killed his wife so he's probably like you know what i mean
1: i couldn't even imagine
0: somehow jeremy was able to start stabbing mark again until mark finally fell on the floor On the ground, Mark would look back at Jeremy as he was bleeding out and ask him, Who are you? Jeremy would not reply. Mark would ask again, Why? Why? Jeremy, high on cocaine, yelled to Mark, Because you treat your daughter like shit. It's what your daughter would have wanted.
1: Uh, was the last thing that he heard.
0: Before he died, yeah.
1: Oh my god. That's very sad. That's so sad. So heartbreaking. Like, I can't even find as the he's, words As he's, like,
0: fighting to he's, protect them.
1: And he sees his wife just dead, bleeding out at the bottom of the stairs. Wow. So sad. Right. And that's such a vicious way to kill someone, to stab them repeatedly. Like, it's so, like, physical and, like, personal. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So, like we said, unfortunately, these would be the last words Mark Richardson would ever hear. At this point, Jeremy walks back upstairs and is greeted by Jasmine. Jasmine gave him a big kiss and a hug and told him that she loved him. She then went upstairs. Jeremy said he kind of stood in the kitchen for a moment because he was pretty fucked up and probably coming down after all the adrenaline that was coming through him. And he kind of stood there for a few moments before following her upstairs. When he got upstairs, he heard Jacob asking his sister what was going to happen and what was going on. Like, what's going on? I'm scared. Yeah. What's going to happen? He
1: heard a commotion. He
0: Right. Before, she replied, shh, just go to sleep. Like, just go to sleep. This is where their stories kind of seem to change. Jeremy's side of the story, which is often the most believed side, and honestly is what I believe, because what the fuck? you'll see but i believe jeremy's side of the story so that's what i incorporated into the story but i will later tell you guys like what she says happened her events because their stories are exactly the same at first up until this
1: point up until they get upstairs
0: so jeremy's side of the story is that he saw jasmine had jacob like in a headlock trying to choke him And she was trying to squeeze it really hard, but Jacob was able to dig his fingernails into her arms and break free. At this time, he ran out into the hallway where he was met by Jeremy Steinke, and Jasmine told... And Jasmine saw him, and he told her that um, they couldn't just leave him.
1: Jeremy told Jasmine, we can't just leave your brother. Yeah, he was
0: like, we can't just leave him.
1: Well, no, I mean, that's a witness to the crimes that they just committed.
0: So either they the way i interpreted this which could be wrong like obviously was like we can't just leave him here you gotta kill him or we gotta take him with us yeah, like some,
1: something's gotta happen we right can't just leave him here in this house
0: so th- that's when she killed him she stabbed him so jeremy comes down from grabbing these few things and uh jeremy's gone Jeremy had gotten so paranoid at this, mo- at this moment, he ran
1: to his truck and drove home. Damn, he left her there. He left
0: her. He was like, bitch, I said we gotta go, and you're getting back beats. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs>
1: Fucking warp- The train
0: is leaving the right.
1: station.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> he left her ass.
1: It's not funny, but it is funny. It is
0: funny, because you dumb bitch. Like, you did all this for him, and he just left your ass there.
1: Yeah. He don't care. He is fucked he- up. He doesn't give a
0: fuck. No. So, after Jasmine came downstairs to Jeremy gone, she tried to call around a few times for him and tried to call, like, his mom's trailer, but no answer, right? Because he was driving there. And she then called a cab and had her drop, get dropped off at Jeremy's house. But before she called the cab, she realized she didn't have any cash for the cab, right? So she called the cab to pick her up in 25 to 30 minutes and took her mom's credit card to the 7-Eleven nearby and withdrew cash from the ATM and then came back and grabbed the cab to go to Jeremy's house.
1: What a great way to leave a money trail. You know? Like, yeah. What a great way to give the police an account of what time things were happening.
0: And the Seven Eleven also has your own footage now, baby girl. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, Sec- and
1: we have record of those two phone calls that she made. They heard you call the fucking cab. like, Right, those cab calls are recorded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's got her
0: whole little trail now of security footage and money laundering, I guess. I don't know. Fucking Credit dumbass. card
1: fraud. Yeah. Stealing.
0: Her basically a trail on exactly where she went from the cab company.
1: I wonder what she bought at the Seven Eleven to get the cash back.
0: I think she just used the ATM.
1: Oh, okay, makes sense.
0: After he gets, she gets dropped off there. Jeremy was there at the time, and he had taken a shower and runs out and hugs her, and they're just good now at this point. Like she isn't like, "What the fuck, you left me." She's just like, "Oh my god, I love you," and he's like, "I love you too." Get your shit and get in the truck. We gotta go.
1: He's like, "Oh my god, I'm so happy to see you here." Get your shit and get the truck. We got to go. I'd be fucking pissed. I'd be like kicking the front door of the trailer and like, bitch, you pulled away. Like you just left me there.
0: Right. So Jeremy got their stuff, like I said, and loaded their truck up, took his clothes and put them in a plastic bag, like his bloody clothes, because he had taken a shower and put those in there so that they could ditch them and took uh, Jeremy took Jasmine to back to Cam's apartment cam and his girlfriend jenny who we had talked about a little bit earlier welcome jeremy like hey what's up which they had been hanging out earlier so they're probably like why the fuck is he back here
1: yeah cam's the drug dealer right the
0: the coke dealer yeah okay
1: gotcha.
0: jeremy said that he had gotten into a fight with someone or some shit and they let them use their bed to sleep for the night they were like yeah y'all can crash here we're gonna be up all night doing cocaine anyway so you can sleep in the bed but they didn't know like what was going on. They were... J- Cam and Ginny, I think, really didn't have a lot of idea of what was going on. No. They were just getting fucked up. Right. And they were like, yeah, you can crash here. I don't care.
1: They just didn't give a fuck. They were just like, yeah, whatever.
0: Right. The two, before going to sleep, though, did have sex after killing everyone. They were like, yeah. Hot and spicy sex, right? Which, let me just note, this is disgusting. Jeremy's a fucking adult and she's a child, but they... Did that. I mean, I don't know.
1: She's 12.
0: Yeah. The next day, Jasmine, Cam, and Jeremy would go to a party. Jenny would sleep because she was pretty hungover.
1: Of course, they went to a party. Of course.
0: At the party, it is said that Jasmine and Jeremy were all over each other. They were sitting on a couch, and Jasmine was straddling Jeremy, rubbing all up on him on a couch at a party in front of a lot of people. People said that they seemed pretty happy and not worried about everything else that was going on around them. Very into each other, very happy, over the moon, really, even. Later, Jeremy's best friend would come to the party and Jeremy confided in him in the party that he had killed his girlfriend's parents.
1: There we go. There's the slip up.
0: Yep. Jeremy recalled to the friend at the time, I gutted them like a fish. To which Jasmine replied, my little brother
1: gargled <gasps> she did not yeah th- that is what she said what the fuck why are they just talking about it so casually they're fucking stupid and sick jesus christ also
0: even if i killed someone i wouldn't go tell everybody at a party
1: no I just, I really cannot get over the fact of how fucking young she is. You know what I mean? Like, hearing this course of events and hearing everything that happened before and after, I have to keep mentally reminding myself, this is a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Which is the craziest part about this, right? That she's just, like, partying, grinding on her boyfriend at 12 years old, and then bragging about how her brother, I can't even say it. That's so, it's so sick.
0: Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm Mm-mm. She is quite something. She's quite the piece of work.
1: Yeah. Quite the freaking psychopath. Little baby psychopath.
0: Yeah. On what seemed like the other side of the world at this time was a less happy scene. The morning of April 23rd, the little boy next door would beg his mom to go and play with his friend Jacob because they didn't get to have a slumber party the night before. So take note, this kid was supposed to be there. And he just caught tickets to a game and didn't go imagine his grandma
1: saved his life right wow
0: which that is so crazy like to think about that he could have been there like just staying the night just
1: oh you know that little boy still thinks about that today about how Uh, just wait until you
0: hear the rest of what i say this little boy i feel so bad for him his mom did make him wait most of the morning to go over there because he she didn't see people coming outside and she didn't want them to be woken up by him knocking on the door So it was a little later in the morning. It wasn't early morning. When he did go over, she said, okay, that's fine. Like, you can run over and play with your friend. That's fine. After she finally said that it was okay, though, the boy came running back home scared and crying to his mom. He returned to his mother saying, Mommy, there's bodies on the floor at Jacob's house. His mother, obviously startled by what her son was saying, saw that something was wrong and went to the neighbor's house hoping that what he saw wasn't true and obviously he's a little kid they make stuff up they have very active imaginations and he was said to have an active imagination so she thought like no way like okay let's go see what you're talking about but no way
1: yeah i mean it does sound crazy i'll give her that
0: right which i will note the little boy saw what he saw through the basement window So he saw Mark and Deborah on the floor. He did not see Jacob, which I feel like is the only like good part that he didn't see his friend, but still that he saw their parents was terrible, but at least he didn't see his friend. It's a
1: little bit less traumatizing than if he had found everybody, I guess, but still.
0: Yeah. So Jacob was upstairs and they were in the basement. Mm -hmm. By the time that Jasmine and Jeremy were at this party hanging out, the police had already began their investigation and noticed that Jasmine was missing initially though they thought that jasmine had been kidnapped
1: so the neighbors called the police after they saw him in the basement yeah they
0: were like we found the bodies whatever and the police were investigating and they're looking for jasmine because they think she's kidnapped they don't think that she killed them
1: which makes sense because it's such a violent crime scene yeah they get there well see that conclusion and
0: they walk in her room looks fine there's a a blood mark on the light switch where They had turned the light on, so they thought maybe they just turned the light on and took her. Mm -hmm. And she's 12. They saw the family photos. They were like, oh, yeah, missing kid. Like, I don't know if they do Amber Alert, but whatever. The police were ultimately concerned for her safety. This was until the police started investigating a little bit more. The police turned up at her school and started talking with her guidance counselor. The police got information from the counselor concerned that she... They, at first... After the police figured it out, they were like, okay, well, maybe she got kidnapped, so we'll cover those grounds. But maybe she's just at a friend's house staying the night.
1: Yeah, she was just out that night. That kind of makes sense. Like a slumber
0: party. Yeah. So, they're asking the guidance counselor, like, does she have any friends that you think that she could be with? Things like that. They were just trying to make sure she was okay and that she wasn't coming home to that. Yeah. Right? So... The police found a lot more information at Jasmine's school than they anticipated, though. What they would find would shock us all, including me. (laughs) And I'm not shocked very easily. (laughs) No. The guidance counselor wasn't able to give the police information of other students without a warrant, I guess, but she was able to open Jasmine's locker to see if... Maybe she had one of her friend's phone numbers written down on the inside of the locker. But, like, I guess they couldn't go, like, pull her blue card. You know what I mean? Like, other right. students, like, blue cards. Yeah,
1: they have to protect their privacy because they're minors.
0: Right. So, I guess she was, like, maybe some of her friends might have the, the students put their friends, like, phone numbers on their locker.
1: Yeah. And, or there's, like, a note in her locker or something.
0: Right. What she's doing. So, they go and pull her locker and pull a binder out and a paper falls to the floor. The photo that falls to the floor the paper would be a 12 panel cartoon strip that Jasmine had drawn. The cartoon strip would include a family of three figures being burned alive while two others laughed in one drawing. The figure is running towards a vehicle drawn that is titled Jeremy's truck.
1: Jeremy's truck. Right. Wow. Very discreet Jasmine.
0: Right. At this point,
1: They're starting to think
0: that maybe Jasmine wasn't kidnapped or at a friend's house. Maybe she actually ran away. And maybe she knew a little about what had happened. A little bit about what had happened.
1: Maybe she's a little violent if that's what she chooses to draw as a cartoon. Right.
0: She was now actually their prime suspect. The police had taken Jasmine's school picture and posted it everywhere. Trying to find her. They were like, somebody knows where she is. Somebody has seen her. We need to get this girl. She's in the papers. She's on the news. They're putting flyers out like everywhere. They're like, "Have you seen this girl? Have you seen this girl?" She. Wow. You see her, call the police. She's a she's a threat.
1: Like she's on a milk carton. Right. We need to find her.
0: All of the friends that knew they were going to kill her parents at the time and started seeing these, like all of the friends that had heard them say it, and they were like, "Oh shit, they did that." Yeah. Right. So. The multiple people that they had told that Jeremy had confided in called the police. Like Jordan, who was like, bro, I'm not fucking helping you. Don't do that. He called the police and was like, hey, uh, what the fuck? I know what happened to them. Yeah. So at this point, the police were starting to put together a very different picture than they had originally thought. After posting her photo all over town in hopes to find them, the police are just sitting everywhere patrolling. They're calling the next town over, asking them to patrol, to be on the lookout, anything. They're just looking and riding around like a search team. Like they're looking for this girl.
1: So, do we know if Jasmine and Jeremy lived in the same town, or was she a couple towns over?
0: I think it's the same town. They both lived in Medicine Hat at the time. Because she
1: just took a cab there, so there's no way she traveled, right. like, a really long distance. So, that makes And sense. the
0: cab fare, I don't remember how much it was, but it was less than $20. Cheap.
1: Okay. So, Jeremy lives close.
0: Right. Close enough. Yeah. I think he just kind of lives on the other side of town. Like, she lives mm-hmm. probably in the sub- suburbs, and he lives, like, at on the, the outskirts. Part. Yeah. Yeah. They're just posting everywhere, patrolling, just looking for the couple that are... Essentially now, they're on the run from the police. Like, it's not just they're hanging out at a party. They're on the run from the police at a party. Yeah. It's all hands on deck now, as far as the police are concerned. Constable Aaron Everett was a rookie at the time and had just made it out of training and was in the next, what I assume to be county, over. When he saw a posting put out by the Medicine Hat Police Department to be on the lookout for the two on a triple homicide charge. Everett at the time... To- Everett, not Everett. I think his name's Ewert. It's E-W-E-R-T. Ewert? I... But I think... You, e- like, E-W-E-N is U-N.
1: We'll spell it again?
0: E. W-E-R-T. I think it's Ewart.
1: Sure. Well, like, E-W and Edward is Ewert. I don't know.
0: Ewert, Ewert, Whatever Ewert. your name
1: is, guys. Sorry we're butchering it. Sorry.
0: Let's try and see if Siri could tell
1: us. Yeah. Ewert. 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 Okay. Yurt. 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 I don't, I don't Yard. know. Yurt.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry, dude. I'm just going to call him um, Aaron. Sure. <laughs> That's his first name.
1: Great. Cool.
0: Aaron at the time thought to himself, well, if they're going to leave town on the run, they're going to need gas. So he decided to sit on post at a gas station that I assume was like the only one on the way out of town.
1: Yeah. Makes sense.
0: And he was right. Around 7 a.m., a pickup truck would pull up full of teenage girls. Kaylee, you remember her? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. The friend that introduced the two.
0: Yeah. Jenny, which is... Drug dealer's girlfriend. Right. And Casey... Vampire. Vampire, yes. Look at me. Remember you, Yes, very good. Went inside to go to the bathroom, and they were in a truck, and I think it had, like, a covering. You know what I'm talking about? The covering that has, like, kind of the window on the truck bed
1: yeah okay
0: and so jeremy and jasmine were in there and the three girls were in the front seat driving like in the Mm -hmm. in the truck cab they got out to go to the bathroom and were like we're gonna go pee whatever and jeremy and jasmine stayed in the truck and were like can you just get us a water Mm -hmm. because you know they're on the run they're not getting out of the car
1: they're aware that the police are staking out for them at this point
0: i think oh sorry I think that they are but the the three girls don't know. They think that Jasmine is just running
1: away. Right, and that's why she's hiding. Right.
0: That is until they walk into the gas station and while they're in line at the gas station, see Jasmine's face covered on the poster of the fucking newspaper on oh my the stand.
1: God.
0: So, you know, they saw it. They saw the news of what had happened to Jasmine's parents and Jasmine's photo was on the front. I think that I think that it probably said something like missing or something like that. Not um, that she was a murder suspect, but they bought the paper, brought it out and gave it to them. They were like, look, oh, my God, your mom, your dad. It was
1: probably like an article about the crime and like we're missing this person. Yeah. They showed the photo to them and they laughed. They just kind of chuckled. Of course they did. It's freaking psychopaths. Of course they laughed. Jeremy even
0: remarked that the photo looked nothing like Jasmine.
1: And they don't see the cop in the parking lot, I'm assuming. Since He's, like, a posted pow- out
0: across the street. Uh, He's not in the I parking lot. So, after this, the girls, I think, were, like, seeing a different story. They were like, oh. They're like, oh, we're driving a getaway car. Right. They're like, oh. So they left after this and they were a little worried asking Jasmine and um so they left and Jasmine and Jeremy were a little worried at this point because they didn't know like it was going to happen this fast i assume they're asking them like where they think they should go if there's anywhere they could hide things like that so the group decides to pull over to figure out what's going on and jasmine gave them an alibi to use in case they found themselves in contact with the police saying like hey tell them we were with you like blah 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 pretty much their out al- the alibi that they had came up with was that jasmine snuck out that night went to go hang out with jeremy and his friends and the murders had happened while she was gone and she had nothing to do with right.
1: it jasmine's like we were at a party what are you talking about
0: right as they're pulled over, talking about this, the police officer called for backup, and by 7:25 a.m. was pulling the vehicle over. In the back of the truck was Jeremy and Jasmine, and Jasmine wasn't wearing any pants when they pulled her over, or pulled him over and took well, her out.
1: Why? We're just, we're just pantsless in the back of the truck. She's trying to get laid in the back of the truck. Probably.
0: Damn. They're probably touching each other and shit. The officers took them all back to the station, and they only had one cell, which is where they held Jasmine, and they kept Jeremy in the back of the cruiser. They The other girls were in the station being questioned, but they were in, like, a small town, I guess, so they only had, like, one holding cell.
1: Right. So they put the most violent offender in the holding cell.
0: And they put Jeremy in the back of the car. Mm-hmm. And then the three girls, they think they're just not related, so they don't yeah. think they're a threat or anything. Right not violent eventually the police officers from alberta would come which alberta i think is the county within medicine hat from how i was reading it and they would pick them up in separate cars and bring them back to medicine hat for their first court for their first court hearing which is required for them to transfer them back like they can't just be transferred they have to go to court and be transferred in the court hearing they would be charged with three counts of first degree murder
1: so they're charging both of them with three counts equally yeah gotcha
0: so this is a side note at the time um jasmine was 12 and a half 12 years old and six months of age and she would become the youngest person charged with multiple murders in canada
1: do you know like you know how like children can be tried as adults in the u.s is it the similar i'm gonna get into it okay
0: yeah, it's very different. Okay. Very stupid and different.
1: Yeah, because I feel like if that happened here, they would fight to try her as an adult. Just right, similar of similar
0: was. to um, Aiden Fuji, who was 13, but they mm-hmm. tried him as an adult. Right. So, yeah, it's a little bit different in Canada. Their their laws are much different.
1: Could you imagine being the cop and you're pulling over this truck full of, like, basically children. And there's a 12-year-old with no pants on with a 23-year-old dude in the back of truck. That just killed her family. Yeah. And you know that. You know what just happened, that, like, three people were stabbed to death.
0: They said it. The police officers said that it was weird pulling them over and, like, dealing with them because they just seemed like normal teenagers. Like, right. So, back at the station, after their transfer, the police officers waited a little bit before interviewing either of them. They kind of baited them a little bit. They went and picked up McDonald's and hand-delivered it to their cells. They hadn't eaten probably all day or whatever, so they were trying to, like, give them familiar food and then become a familiar face.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Chatted a little bit on the car ride over with them, just made small talk, tried to be their friend, like, not see them as anything bad mostly like to jasmine they would say things like you know everything's gonna be okay i'm sorry about what happened to your parents like acting like she didn't do it
1: yeah well i mean they're working up to a confession right right the game plan that's the
0: game plan Since Jasmine was so young at the time, the police officers were required to go through a 15-step document that is written by the courts to make sure that minors understand their rights thoroughly since they are more easily influenced by authority figures or just adults in general. So Canada has this strict script that they go through and they're like, blah, 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 blah. Do you understand this? Do you need me to explain any of this to you? Do you understand it? Okay, next step do you understand at the end of every step it's like do you understand this
1: right like reading her her miranda rights in extreme detail
0: right because she, if you just read her her miranda rights she's not gonna understand because no. she's 12
1: yeah and she doesn't have anyone advocate for her because she just had her parents killed which is crazy
0: after going through the steps jasmine did not ask for a guardian or a lawyer the interrogation on jasmine would begin right after she confirms that she understands her rights and that it And it wouldn't take long to get her talking. The two cops decided that they wanted to use, instead of a good cop, bad cop technique, more of a cool guy and father figure. Mm, Okay. Right. They were like, we're not going to do, like, I'm the good cop, I'm the bad cop. We're going to be, like, two people that you would want to talk to. Yeah,
1: we're just going to be your friends. Right. Okay.
0: One officer, Officer Cole, was a 19 year police veteran. With graying hair, a mustache, and a short, cropped cut. He was the dad figure.
1: He's got a high and tight. He's a cop.
0: Right. He tried first with, like I said, the father-like approach. He tried for a while, but was unsuccessful. I honestly think, though, that with everything going on with her father at the time, that wasn't the type of emotional support she needed. Or wanted.
1: No. I mean, she hated, like, parental authority or any kind of parental figure at this point. Right. Yeah.
0: While he interviewed her the whole time, she mostly cried. So, I think maybe he, her dad had a mustache, too. I think maybe she was, like, it was hitting her a little different than she anticipated. Or she was just playing them.
1: I'm leaning towards playing. Based yeah, on I'm saying that it, it could go either way. Point. Yeah, I don't think that she has any sympathy towards her father or anyone, at all. or yeah. yeah, anyone in general.
0: Eventually, Officer Cole would trade off with Officer Sheehan, who was also on the case. He was Mr. Cool Guy. He was about a thirty-five. He was about thirty-five years old at the time and was said to have been pretty handsome. He had dark hair and blue eyes, and he was wearing a pair of glasses that were pretty trendy for the time. It worked.
1: Mm-hmm. Justin's like, ooh.
0: He immediately went in and introduced himself on a first-name basis. He then sat down and looked at the paper Jasmine had been writing on and started teasing her. He was like, your S's are weird. Look, they're upside down. Like, just teasing at her. She was 12, so he was trying to like...
1: Yeah, how other kids would talk to her.
0: Right. She quickly opened up after this. It was like no time. She said to him, even at one point, I like you. You smell good. Ew. Yeah. They talked for a while. He tried to relate to her on stuff. Even if he didn't really know how he would relate, he would just fake it. They talked about bands. He obviously didn't know anything about the bands, but he would use it like he, she'd be like, yeah, I like Cradle of Filth. And he'd be like, oh, are they like corn? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Make it seem like he kind of knew, but.
1: He was trying to relate to her like a kid would relate to her. Right. It's a good tactic.
0: Right. It was working. It was working very well. Making her think that he was a he was a friend and this was a friendly situation and this wasn't a troubled situation. At first, Jasmine stuck to her alibi. She said that she was with her friends and then came home, got scared and her and Jeremy left when they found them. She and Jeremy had nothing to do with it. That was her first story.
1: Oh, so she's not saying that she has no idea what happened. She's saying she went home, saw the crime scene. And left. And fled. Okay.
0: She was saying that Jeremy and her had snuck out. They came back to get her stuff to run away. And when she came in, Jeremy followed her. And she ran upstairs, scared. That was her fourth story. They had nothing to do with it. Like I said, they came home, saw it, left, right? Right. So then Officer Sheehan was kind of like... Okay, well, we need the whole truth. No partial truths. Like, a partial truth is still a lie. I need the whole truth. And he kept pushing her and pushing her. And she finally came out and said that Jeremy and her were going to sneak out. They came back in together because as they were out drinking and partying, she decided that she was going to run away, right? So Jeremy came back with her to get her stuff from the house. When she came in... She ran upstairs, and Je- her parents woke up, and Jeremy started fighting them. And that he killed them. And it wasn't planned. She didn't have anything to do with it. It was random. They attacked Jeremy. And it was, like, self-defense, right?
1: Well, that's a drastic change, Jasmine. Right. So, she's, like, trying to get away from, like, premeditation. She doesn't even know what any of these charges are, though, because she's a freaking 12-year-old. So, she's just, She's like, just
0: making shit up.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So... She said that he killed them while she sat with Jacob because she didn't want him to know what was going on. She didn't want Jacob to know. And that after that, Jeremy came up and said to her that they had to kill Jacob and that he did it. she didn't help him or hold him. Like, Jeremy killed Jacob, not her.
1: She threw Jeremy under the bus and then, like, ran him over again.
0: Yep. The officer then asked her if she was lying and she admitted that she tried to strangle Jacob first and that it didn't work. And then she slipped when she tried to stab him and she couldn't shake it off. So then Jeremy and then she held him for Jeremy to stab him.
1: So we're getting a little bit closer to the truth of what happened. That's her like final version of the story. That's where you're saying it's differing there.
0: So yeah. So then the officer asked, so Jeremy did Jacob because you couldn't? And she nodded. Mm. So, this is her final... Like, she tried to kill Jacob, but she couldn't. And Jeremy didn't.
1: But Jeremy was doing it in self-defense. But they collectively decided that Jacob had to go, too. I guess, yeah. That's such a weird...
0: Right. So, Officer Sheehan, after the confession, asked her if she wanted to write a letter to her parents, stating that it would let her get everything out, right? So... The letter is as follows Dear my lovely parental units, I am writing in response to the events on Sunday morning. A terrible thing happened, something I feel was all my fault. You must know I love you. I love you all dearly, and you are in my prayers. I wish peace upon your souls in the Summerland. To my little brother, I apologize for letting you hear what had happened. Also for causing you any pain and for frightening you so much. To my parents, I hope, you, I hope you know that through all that has happened, I loved you the whole time. I wish I could take back what had happened. I wish you were with me right now because now I have no one. I pray you can forgive me and Jeremy too, because he was under the influence of mind-altering substances at the time and did it out of love for me. He is most possibly the kindest, sweetest person I've ever met, his wish being for my happiness. Through all the fights and hatred exchange, I still loved you. I am sorry my sarcasm was taken to heart. I never meant to harm you. I pray you can be at peace somehow.
1: I don't even know how to respond to that.
0: Yeah. So I'll break it down for you a little bit. I know. Like, let's start. Hold
1: on a minute. Let's
0: start with my parental units. Like, not calling them. So
1: impersonal.
0: Right. Someone they, like, she doesn't have a connection to. And then let's bring it back to, this is supposed to be you apologizing for everything that has happened. And you still turn it into, Jeremy's so great. I love him.
1: He was under the influence of some mind-altering substances. I love him. He is the
0: sweetest person I've ever met in my entire life. The sweetest person you ever met in your entire life? He fucking killed your parents.
1: He stabbed your parents repeatedly. To death.
0: She's crazy. This whole letter that she wrote to her parents is absurd. It's, yeah. And they break it down in the court trial, too, saying that she has no connection to what had happened because of how she wrote it. Like my parental units.
1: Yeah, I'm so sorry, but Jeremy's a great person. Like, well,
0: uh. right. So after taking the note, Sheehan returned her to her cell and gave her a notebook and a sharpie in case she wanted to write. They have to give him sharpies, like, because of the soft,
1: mm-hmm. soft tip. So you can get violent with a ballpoint pen.
0: He also told her if she wanted to, he would exchange notes with her to jeremy
1: that's an interesting tactic i like that yeah
0: so this was the first time that this had been used in um a murder case in canada like this within their department at least from what i saw Usually they would ask suspects to write letters of apology to the person and use that as evidence, but passing notes between them had never been done before, at least not in a murder investigation.
1: But it makes a lot of sense because of the age bracket these kids are in.
0: Right, because usually they said a lot of people clam up when a murder charges. Yeah. On the table, they are not going to write you a note. He thought, whatever, I'll try it. And it worked. Sometimes when you toss a line, you get a bite. And Officer Sheehan was in for the quite the catch. Jasmine started writing before no time immediately. She was like, Okay, I love him and write him a note. So her first letter is or one of her letters I included. There, there's a bunch of letters I read. Um I just included some. They call each other things like Cuddle Bunny and it's very weird.
1: Ugh. Yeah. Gross.
0: So she Cuddle wrote Bunny? Yeah, Cuddle Bunny's crazy. She wrote, I love you with all my heart, and no matter what happens, please don't forget that people are lying, including Casey. I feel very alone. Stay strong. God, I can't seem to write what I feel, but I love you eternally. Try to hope. There is only so much bonds of flesh can do to the soul. Kisses.
1: She's 12. Mm -hmm. I can't.
0: Me neither. After his interview with Jasmine... His interview with Jeremy would begin. And he would go, not so cool cop. Jeremy would obviously try and be Mr. Tough Guy saying he needed to keep his mouth shut. Like, anytime Sheehan tried to talk to him, he was like, I need to keep my mouth shut is what my attorney said. And to this, Sheehan just replied, that's fine. Jasmine already confessed. Oh. He also stated, we recovered bloody clothes from a white plastic bag in the bed of your truck. He just kept pressing him, telling him that all the evidence they had against him and even saying something like, yeah, Jasmine told us how you manipulated her. Her story is sad. I almost cried myself when she told me. Like, he was really digging it, Jeremy. He's laying it on thick. Yeah. He was, he wanted Jeremy to bite bad. He was just tossing him anything to get him to. And it worked. When he hit him with, yeah... I wanted to cry too. Like you could tell Jeremy was like getting he was like holding his hands in his head. No, no, no. Just saying things like that, like mm-hmm. freaking out. And finally he snapped. You're saying it's all my fault? She told me. She said she wanted it. That's what he finally yelled out. She hand pushed a little more saying he knew Jeremy wasn't a monster. He was like, "I know you're not a monster, Jeremy.
1: Just tell me what really happened." they flipped on each other so fast
0: yeah he needed his side of the story just so that he could figure it out you know that mumbo jumbo and jeremy just said do you think i didn't try to talk her out of it i did when i did she got upset with me you can ask anyone who knows me ask my mom and he said you know what he said to him i talked to your mom she cried in my arms
1: Master manipulator. I was like, Jesus. He's doing a jam up job. Yeah.
0: Jeremy just kept shifting. You could tell he was fighting the thought of something in his mind. And Sheehan just goes, I can't hear you, dude. Like, I don't know what you're going on in your head. You got to talk to me. And Jeremy goes in, admitting to killing her parents, adamant that he did not kill Jacob, though. Saying he watched Jasmine do it.
1: Which we feel like is the accurate version of the story. That's what I feel. Yeah. I mean, now hearing both sides of it, like, I I think, I believe that, too.
0: Right. And after the interview, he returned Jeremy to his cell and did the same note trick. Told him, like, hey, here's a note that Jasmine wrote you. If you want to write her one back, like, I'll give it to her. (laughs) Like, just like that. Like, cool. Like, whatever. Dear Jazz Kisses. I'm sorry. I'm so very sorry. I love you with all of my heart. And that will never change. I broke. I confessed. I'm so truly sorry. I love you. I do. And I hope that one day I'll be able to gaze into your eyes again. I slept with your note in my hand every night. The only thing that pushes me through this is the thought of you. I wish we could just go back in time and run. Run far away and never come back. Never forget how much I love you and how much you mean to me. Without you, I feel so empty and wish I could just die. No matter what, I'm with you in mind and spirit. Once the once this time comes, I hope to be with you in body too. Keep this note close to your heart. If I can write again, I shall. I shall. So there's a lot of notes that go on. At one point, he asks her to marry him. And she says, yes, like a bunch of shit. The last one I'm going to include is one more from Jasmine. And it reads, please don't be sorry. I'm the one that needs to be begging for your forgiveness. If only we ran. Yes, but don't obsess on what could have been. In due time, we shall have our castle. I am not whole without you. I love you with everything I am. I'll never stop and my promises shall be kept. However desolate it seems and shall become, take it one day at a time. It can only get so bad before it gets better. I will be with you in spirit. I hope you're doing alright. However large a task, please don't stress over it too much. Having your sanity might be helpful. More than anything, I wish to be with you and hold you again. But until that comes, know I love you. XOXO. Gossip girl. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> XOXO. Enjoy in and in sorrow, my sweet 666.
1: I mean, it's an impressive letter to be written by a 12 year old. I'll give her that.
0: Her letters are much better than Jeremy's.
1: Yes, much more better. I mean, she is on a different level than other 12 year olds yeah like, you know what i mean like just the way that she's wording I, I hate the way they're using shall and talking about having a fucking castle together i yep. mean that's that's stupid and 12 year old ish but the way that she's able to formulate these sentences and like write these letters and manipulate jeremy in a letter yeah like it's impressive for someone her age like i'll give her that you Yeah, know? she's literally insane but she's not stupid She's not.
0: She's very smart.
1: Which is something that we've seen like a trend with these murderers. Like yeah, most I know. I wish I could have found her IQ, but
0: none none of that was like.
1: I mean, she's very smart. To she's be very a kid. smart. Yeah.
0: After the confessions, the two would be bugged. Jeremy would ride a bus to a separate jail and await sentencing. On the bus ride, though, he would meet a fellow inmate. Inmate. Who would kick it off with him from the start? Obviously, though. That would be because this inmate was actually an undercover police officer who was specifically planted there to get a confession out of Jeremy. Pretending to be anything that Jeremy needed to be, to be his friend. And this is so funny to read about because the police officer that did this was like a very Christian man. And so then he was like very prim and proper and like didn't even cuss, like things like that. And so like in the book... Jeremy just starts going in like about all this stuff and the police officer is just like very like, whoa, but he has to like play it cool. So right. like he deserves honestly a Grammy
1: internally. He's like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? It's crazy. So, um, a Grammy, you mean an Oscar? Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking, <laughs> about, singing. The, I'm thinking about
0: the Grammys cause everybody's, everybody's getting nominated for Grammys yeah. right now. And, what do you know? Jeremy would obviously start bragging on the bus on the way there, like wouldn't even get there. So they got that confession, right? The trials though wouldn't be held until almost a year later. The trials would be held separately and Jasmine's really drawed a lot of attention. Lots of witnesses were called and it would take over a week just to present the jury the amount of evidence that they had against her. This evidence, though, would not include her confession due to the judge saying that the police manipulated a minor and didn't give her a lawyer or a guardian to keep her from talking like that.
1: But she opted out.
0: Right, but in Canada, they with children, they don't...
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, like, protect her rights. Right. Because like, she really doesn't understand the magnitude right, of Right, and situation. that's
0: what the judge said. Yeah. He was like, you manipulated her, and you knew you manipulated her, and she's 12.
1: Yeah, I can see that, how the second cop was a little bit manipulative
0: yeah and he was but he later came and said that he was like my job's to get a confession they almost always get thrown out especially with a minor yeah and that's what he said he was like you almost can never use a confession that a minor has given to you unless basically the lawyer is sitting right there or some shit yeah, unless like
1: there's an attorney or guardian present which i mean that makes sense but obviously they had plenty of evidence
0: right Regardless of this, though, there was a lot of evidence, like you said. There was the drawing from the locker, all the testimonies from all of the students and other friends saying that they were planning to kill the parents, the letters that they exchanged in prison, the internet posts that they all had posted online.
1: From her forums and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: Everything. They had access to all of that stuff.
1: And then that letter that she wrote to her parents.
0: Yep. And the letter she wrote to Jeremy. The jury would only deliberate for four hours. And this includes the allotted hour that they give them for lunch before returning on a guilty verdict on all three counts of first degree murder.
1: So basically it took them three hours to figure out like yes.
0: Yeah. Jasmine would cover her mouth with her hand and begin to sob when the verdict was read.
1: Like she didn't know that shit was coming.
0: I think she thought she was only going to get one. She yeah. didn't think she was going to get all three. She thought
1: she was going to get a murder charge for her brother. That, I mean, but the other two would technically be considered, like, in U.S. law's terms, well, second in, degree. Well,
0: in Canada, I guess first-degree murder can be charged if you ha- were if, the reason the murder if occurred. If you conspired. If you conspired or anything like that okay. is first-degree murder because it wouldn't have happened without you. Yeah. I guess is essentially, like, their thought process. So she got three counts of first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. Because it was both of their, like, both of them played.
1: She incited the murder. It was her fault.
0: And she let him in the house.
1: Yeah. She plotted it.
0: Right. Jasmine was sentenced on November 8, 2007. In Canada, the sentence imposed on a person of Jasmine's age had to be the least restrictive possible while still holding her accountable for her actions. The maximum sentence she would get get was six years and four years of confidential or i'm sorry four years of conditional supervision in the community he could also find her eligible to receive specialized care known as intensive rehabilitative custody and supervision a rehab program designed for serious violent young offenders in canada
1: so you said six years incarcerated is that per each murder charge total so we're talking like a ten-year sentence, six in, four out. Yep. Wow.
0: And this is this is just something I'm putting in here that he had. This isn't her sentence. Like, let me know. This is all that's legally standard. she's allowed to have. Okay. This is that's the maximum, maximum for actually. her age. That's why I read it because it's very different. That's why I had to clarify. Yeah. I was
1: like, "What? Like that's life in prison here?
0: Yeah, without the possibility of parole. Exactly." Yeah. In rehab, she was diagnosed with odd oppositional defiant disorder, noting that this is a, that this is a prerequisite for a young offender's diagnosis of a sociopath or psychopath. In Canada, you cannot label a child a psychopath. They can only receive the label of conduct disorder, which Jasmine had these children have great difficulty following rules and behaving in socially acceptable in a socially acceptable way it was noted that she would be able to be part that she would probably be able to be part of a functioning society one day but would require significant treatment taking everything into account they argued that after her diagnosis that the heart that the 10-year sentencing we talked about previously, which is the maximum, was too harsh of a sentencing, and the, du- and the judge, after taking into consideration the 18 months she had been in the prison already, sentenced her to four years in custody to be followed by four and a half years of community service, community supervision, or probation, which would give her a maximum of 10 years in prison, which is the maximum. So he gave her the maximum sentence, even though they were like, you need to reconsider but she didn't get six additional years because she had served 18 by the time of the trial. So, she got four more years plus the four years of the other stuff. Like,
1: parole, basically. Yeah. Wow. But they weren't going to send her to, like, a, a mental institution? Well, she d-
0: that's what I was talking about, the rehab that I was talking about. She, will, she will be in...
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So, I'm going to get back a little bit back into that. So... That would be the maximum 10 years, right? So, in 2012, she would have been 18 and completed her four years and started community supervision, which ends when she turned 22.
1: hmm
0: And then five years, she will stay in the database. But if she doesn't commit any crimes within those five years after she turns 22, her record will be expunged. Holy shit.
1: I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. It's crazy.
0: Right? So, like, this case is so, it's so crazy with that aspect of it because Jeremy gets sentenced too. I'm going to get into it, but after, so, when I did this case, I had such a hard time finding anything on her because in Canada, it is illegal to publish her name. When everything was going on, like, the, she, her, she is basically wiped off the maps in Canada. They don't want wow. anything out about her. And there was a lot of people that were getting in trouble, and they were trying to pass new laws because whenever the they were publishing stuff originally and the original report, it had her name, and they were worried about it getting on the internet, which it did, and going across the border, which it did. But everything with her name has been removed. Even Killer Kids did an episode on her. And you cannot find it online. I tried to watch it. I looked it up. You can find the episode that it it exists. It's episode, season one, episode four. And you cannot find it or watch it anywhere, because her name's in it.
1: So, are they protecting the minor, or are they like this is Canadian business and we're not going advertise- to? No, they protect
0: the minor. That's what it is. It's because she's a minor, and so they put her in all of this like extensive rehab and stuff, saying yeah. that they basically like.
1: They're going to try to reprogram her brain. Pretty much. It's just so crazy to hear about that and then to think about the United States legal system. And if that had happened here, Jasmine would never be free again. Right. She would spend the rest of her life in the prison system. Yep. Regardless of her being a 12-year-old or not. So it's almost like it it brings up like the internal struggle of like, what is the right way? Because they seemed way more like lean towards like rehabilitation and releasing her into society and giving her a chance where the American version of that is to just institutionalize her and never let her out again.
0: Because I think in America, you're worried that because I'm even worried when I get into some of the case aspects, like when I was reading it, Jasmine, she manipulated people even then. And that was after she had been in prison for 18 months. And she only got four more years after that. So, I don't know how much treatment they could have given her for her to not be this person. And maybe, maybe once they figured out they could have given her medication. I don't know. But I feel like... So, basically, you're telling me at 27, she's just out into the world. No parole, nothing.
1: That's... I... Like, at least maybe by that point, like her brain had developed and she's right. like a fully formed human. But if she's this much of a psychopath or whatever the Canadian government wants to call it as a cover up for children, you don't just like therapy that out of a kid. Yeah, you know it's what I mean? Very, like, you very don't, scary. if you're at 12 years old and you can kill your baby brother with a knife, you're not recovering from that as a human being and right. returning to society and functioning normally, right? Like, but that's like i said she is in they're she just gonna is, let her
0: ass out she's out but it's not let it's all already over in 2012 she would have been 18
1: holy shit
0: and it's 2023 and her
1: record is expunged she can go get a fucking job she and- could be a fucking she could work at a daycare holy shit What are we doing, Canada? Fucking get it together. Yeah. Like, say what you want about our overpopulated prisons, but at least we don't let motherfuckers like that out into society again. Like, we keep them where they should be. At least in a a doctor. like a Lock her up in the mental ward. Right. That's what I was saying. I would have pled for insanity. You know what I mean? Be like, I'm fucking crazy. Send me to the padded room. Like, they just let her out. Yep. As for Jeremy... He tried to basically say it
0: wasn't planned, yada, 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 and that he didn't kill Jacob and that he didn't intend to kill people when he originally came in. He kind of said that, again, like that she was going to run away and he came in and then they attacked him and he killed him, right? His court trial went on for a while, whatever, and the jury deliberated for a day. Well, basically overnight. They came back the next morning with their verdict. Guilty of first-degree murders on all three accounts. He was sentenced on December fifteenth, two 2008 to life without parole for 25 years. So, without the possibility of parole for 25 years, I guess.
1: So, we're saying 25... He's not a minor. That's why he's getting this different sentencing. Yeah. Wow.
0: So, I would also like to know, like we talked about... You asked, like, how people died like deborah she fell on the ground Mm -hmm. i notated this at the end um they all basically died from blood loss except deborah she had a major wound but medical exam medical examiners were unable to determine lividity during the autopsies there had been so much blood loss like they couldn't determine lividity. For those of you who don't know who, what lividity is, lividity is a condition in postmortem exams in which gravity causes blood to pool in the lowest extremities of the body. The blood cause the butt the blood causes blotches that are also per, that are purplish and allows medical examiners to determine the position of the body at the time of death. So they they weren't able to even determine if their bodies had been moved after they died because... They bled out. There was no blood left in their body. I mean, he was on top of... Mark was on top of Jeremy and he was just stabbing for a while.
1: A long time, yeah. Repeatedly.
0: And then Jacob... They hit a major artery and instead of it like slowly bleeding, it just happened very quick. Like it bled out. And I think in Mark and Jacob... A part that they had stabbed uh, had hit a cavity inside their body, causing blood to pool in their body inside their body as well.
1: Mm. Wait, so when was Jeremy sentenced? December, 25 years. December of well he was like just, he was
0: sentenced to life, and then in twenty five years they'll oh, they'll
1: I might get parole.
0: He maybe he could he could have a trying a parole hearing, and they'll probably say nah. You know what I mean? Just like here,
1: yeah like jeremy's sentencing makes sense to me i can i can find the logic in that it's jasmine because she is really like like yes jeremy is crazy he's delusional he's violent but But those were her parents jasmine is the problem here yeah jasmine's insane like jasmine was the orchestrator of this whole thing and she doesn't feel sympathy for orchestrating her parents death or her brother like that's like she's out roaming around in canada
0: yeah, I hope she's in Canada and stays in Canada.
1: I wonder if they would give her like a a passport after. Uh, that. I mean, if her records expunged, why not? Yeah, there's no. She's gonna
0: be a, anything she wants, do anything wow. she wants.
1: I wonder if she's living in a castle in Europe right now.
0: I hope, dude. Not for the Europe people, but. <laughs>
1: wow isn't
0: that crazy this story is so crazy that, and then like i told you you used to be able to find stuff online about this but now it's very interesting that it's all been taken down because canada's like no she was a minor even the book that i read she's not published as jasmine richardson it says jr just her initials wow but jeremy's name is obviously I mean, free fuck, game
1: fuck jeremy yeah he was old enough to know better yeah he was she was old enough to know better too for being yeah. real like wow
0: yeah so that is the so terrible case the murder of the richardson family by their own daughter and her 300 year old werewolf boyfriend jeremy stinky jeremy stinky
1: <laughs> he looks stinky but he is stinky is this in the photos that i've seen of him he looks like he smells like bo
0: yeah and piss
1: Mhm.
0: and probably cigarettes cat
1: pee yeah he smells really gross he looks And gross. he doesn't brush his teeth, I'm sure. Well,
0: yeah, because he got the gum instead of brushing his teeth. I know he doesn't. Right.
1: Like, brushing your teeth cannot be the solution to that problem. You have to have some chewing gum mm-hmm. so he can make out with his child girlfriend. Yeah. This whole thing is... It's insane. It's freaking wild. Yeah. It's so crazy. And he didn't get any charges for, like, raping They didn't her? go after her for stag... Well, they didn't go... Like...
0: He would have gotten that. Yeah. But they were so confident he was going to get life in prison that they didn't go after That was unnecessary.
1: But I would still want him to be on the sex offender list even if he opted or got parole in 25. You know what I mean? Yeah, but
0: I think that they're pretty confident he's not going to get parole. I just think he can have a parole hearing in 25 years. I
1: wonder if they're, like, writing letters to each other and stuff in jail.
0: I don't think that they can. That was only the... Like legally yeah. in the United States, they can't. I'm sure that part of her therapy is that she's never allowed to talk to Jeremy Steinke again. Yeah. And she probably can't visit him or write to him in prison. That's probably all monitored, I would hope.
1: I would hope. I imagine someone's reading oh my god order.
0: imagine in 25 years he did get parole and they got back together
1: <gasps> that's what i was literally just thinking that and would be you insane kept, you keep saying he's not gonna get out and i'm like i freaking hope not because if these two get back together like who knows what's gonna happen in canada you yeah. know like they could act out that movie which natural born killers like they could yeah. just be out there and then she's old now she's yeah. like old enough to drink and, and fuck shit up like he he might not even like her because she's grown she now. could
0: even be planning this whole like she I don't even want to get into it she's so fucking crazy
1: I feel like she's on the level of a serial killer honestly to have like n- that such little empathy and to do that to your family not even a stranger like your parents and your, your yeah. little brother the brother is what I guess he was only 8 he or 7 or 8 he was a kid she though. was also a kid it's so wild
0: yeah But that wraps up my case for this week. You know how to pick them. Yeah. I am sorry that it kind of went over a little long this week, but we hope that it sounded good. And we hope that you guys keep listening to us and follow us on Instagram and Twitter.
1: And Twitter. And uh, Malicious the Pod. Malicious the Pod. And you can find us everywhere you find podcasts. And please give us suggestions for episodes, because we would really love to cater this to the audience and give you what you want.
0: I know there's already been one suggestion I am putting in my bucket that I think I'm going to do. I'm just a little nervous. (laughs) (laughs) But um, if you guys have any other suggestions, please let us know. You can reach out to us on Twitter. You can tweet at us. You can message us on Instagram. Uh, Leave comments on Spotify. Yeah. That's
1: also an option.
0: Or Apple Podcasts. Yep. And That is it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.